Well, over these many years of me believing in the Lord Jesus and trusting in his watch care over me, as I was mentioning earlier, health and health-related issues have been some of the more perplexing of the matters within my relationship with him. How do I know what his will is for my health and the health of others? Now, I know that I am eternally saved from my sins. I have no doubt about that. And that when I breathe my last here in this life, I will immediately be with the Lord Jesus in paradise. And so with that confidence, matters of my soul have been settled. But again, I must confess to you that the matters that I, that we, that you and I have to deal with each day regarding our physical bodies, that's been an ongoing puzzlement to me. I know from these scriptures that God first created mankind perfect in every way. We were intellectually perfect, spiritually, emotionally, and also physically perfect. And I know that then after our fall into sin, everything changed for us. And perhaps that's the simplest answer for this constant daily dilemma that I, that each of us goes through each day. Simply put, with our fall into sin, our once perfect mind, spirit, soul, body became corrupt. We were no longer perfect in every way. And the curse that God placed upon us and this earth sent us into this downward spiral, a decline that would never be perfect again while we're in this life. And the effects are obvious within our own selves and within the people around us. Our thoughts and our plans and behaviors, everything we do is corrupt a little bit. Even our best behavior is corrupt a little bit. We have sickness and disease of every kind. Physical illnesses that are then further complicated by emotional and psychological problems. And now here in our scripture passage for today, we see that God, our Lord Jesus, came to earth to offer at least some remedies for our dilemma of suffering. And I'd like for us to read about this circumstance in Jesus's ministry where he was dealing with some of the physical sufferings of the people. And I want you to note in these words that as Jesus was confronted by two separate cries for his help, he didn't become flustered like we do. He simply and patiently went about helping each one of them. Listen to these words. This is in Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 40. Now, when Jesus returned... What he's referring to there is Jesus and the disciples had been across the Sea of Galilee. You might recall in last week's message, they were in the country of the Gadarenes. And now they had returned to the other side, to the Israel side of the Sea of Galilee. Now when Jesus returned, the crowds welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus who was the ruler of a synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. And Jesus went. And as he went, the people pressed against him. 
Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years had spent all of her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any. She came from behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus asked, who touched me? When all had denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, there are multitudes that are thronged around you and they press you. And you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me for I perceive power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all of the people the reason that she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You might recall in the book of Isaiah, chapter 35, we studied this several weeks back. 700 years before the Lord Jesus came to the earth, God told us about the Lord Jesus and about some of the special ministry that he would have among the people, and especially about his ministry of healing. There in those words in Isaiah 35, the Lord tells us, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped, and the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. There was much more that Jesus would do, but this was part of what Isaiah prophesied. Now here in today's passage, we see the Lord Jesus going about that special ministry, pouring out his great and mighty power upon anyone who came to him for help and for blessing. And as we read accounts like these of the healing of this poor woman, we're reminded that Jesus's power has no limits. It has no limits. His power easily and comfortably reaches into every realm of life and nature. And he causes things to take place that you and I can only imagine. You'll recall that just a few verses earlier, Jesus had exercised his power over the realms of nature by simply speaking to the winds and the waves as they crossed the Sea of Galilee in that storm. He simply spoke to those winds and the waves and they obeyed his voice. And then a few verses after that, he showed how his power was able to reach into the supernatural realm and to prevent demons from their insidious curses. And there again, he needed only to speak. And the power of his voice drove those demons out of that man there in those scattering tombs. And now here with this dear woman, we see how Jesus also had absolute power over the physical health well-being of that woman. All these things should give you and me reason for great comfort and faith, knowing as we do that as this dear woman had come to know, that even physicians, we depend on them so much. So many of them have extensive training, but most often they have limits to their ability to help us. We saw that ever so clearly As we watched our son suffer, physicians are limited in their ability to help us. But that's not so with Jesus. That is not so with Jesus. He can always help. And unlike the doctors who often only provide temporary relief or maintaining kinds of relief, Jesus can actually completely fix things that are hurt. 
and that are broken within us. Whether those things come from the natural realm or the supernatural realm. Thankfully, Jesus' power has no boundaries. And you and I must believe that. His power has no boundary or limits. His power easily spans across this natural realm and everything within it and even the supernatural realm, interacting with both of them at the same time. Here with this dear woman who had suffered for so many years with her infirmity, there's no mention made here that there was any demonic presence. But does that mean that there wasn't a demonic presence? Was her health problem all coming from natural causes? We don't know. We don't know. But we do know that on other occasions, Jesus would recognize that they are somehow interwoven together. Supernatural causes and natural causes. There's one occasion where he dealt with this one young man who had epilepsy. And there he clearly revealed that on certain occasions, the two, the natural and the supernatural realms, can be closely linked together. Listen to these words. This is Matthew chapter 17. A man came to Jesus and kneeling down to him said, Jesus, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and he suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that hour. Now this doesn't mean that every form or every occasion of epilepsy has a demon that causes it. No, it is just that both that supernatural realm and our natural realm are often linked together. And we just simply don't stop to recognize that. Also, we read in the Old Testament, in the life of that old servant Job, you might recall as you have read about Job, he suffered every kind of suffering imaginable, physically from all these boils all over him, emotionally from the loss of his family and all of his wealth, and even causing the demonic world, causing his wife and his friends to turn against him. And those scriptures make it clear from the beginning that all of Job's miseries came directly from the hand of Satan. Satan would go back to God and ask permission to do that. The supernatural realm and the natural realm intervening into each other. So then the question, are we to always believe that illness and disease is naturally occurring within our bodies? Brought there by genetic predispositions as so many doctors would believe or by viruses in the air or other types of natural causes? Or are we to understand that we're under a constant onslaught from the demonic realm? Or perhaps are we to believe that both the supernatural and the natural are involved in so many of the occasions that we have for bad health? And we'll probably never know the answer to that question, but we ought to ask it. But regardless of the source of any of our suffering, the fact is that we do live and have our being within this natural physical realm and we do need some relief from the suffering that we endure. Each one of us has some 
some more than others. Up to this point with this dear woman, she had chosen to follow the course that the natural world offers, that of seeking help from doctors and the healthcare system of her day, but to no avail. She spent all of her savings, it tells us here, seeking after a cure, but had found none. And does that not also seem to be the path that we most often follow in our day? Going from one doctor to another, chasing after some elusive cure, but often finding none. And then as we advance in years, this I have, it only gets worse. Eventually, we become so tied to our doctors that we find ourselves in their office once a month or maybe even once a week. Now, please don't misunderstand. I'm not using this pulpit for complaining. I'm simply stating the obvious. We are inextricably tied to our doctors doing exactly as this dear woman did, spending our rent and grocery money, chasing after some relief for some elusive suffering that's taking place within us. Now again, granted, for most of our suffering, it seems the only course that we can follow. How else are we to find relief from our suffering from our high blood pressure but to get one more prescription, which I just did in this past month? Started a brand new prescription. How are we to find relief for our suffering? There's so much. Diabetes and high cholesterol. They're just the common medications. Blood pressure medication, diabetes medication, and cholesterol medication. And in most ways... That care is good and it's excellent. And our blood pressure then starts to show the right levels. And our diabetes has the right levels and so does our cholesterol. But just observing and knowing all of these things, and especially as I read the scriptures, I must confess that for several years now, I pondered and questioned the effectiveness and the worth of all of this. Not so much that I would quit taking all my... Medication. I've often wished that I would give that a try, but I haven't. With all my own health problems and observing the health problems of my wife and the treatments administered by the doctors, we really have found temporary relief. But I must confess that with some of those more long-term health matters, it seems that, much like this woman here in this passage, we've been chasing after the wind not finding cures or healing that we'd hoped for. We simply take more medication. And yes, we are maintained, but we're not cured. But again, what are we to do as we hurt and as we suffer and as we need relief? Let me pause here for a moment and restate some thoughts that I've given to you in the past about God's grace and how he showers his grace upon us every day. Our Bible teachers divide up the definition of grace into two categories. Special grace, that's the kind that comes directly from God's own hand. That's the kind that Jesus administered to the people that he touched. That is most always received through faith. And you'll recall he said that to this woman. He said, your faith has made you well. Special grace. But then there's common grace, and that's what I've been talking about here in these last few moments. The kind that comes secondhand to us through other people's care and provision. Common grace is that 
kind of provision that God makes available to all people alike. You notice when you go into your doctor that they don't ask you first if you are a Christian. They simply write you a prescription. Common grace is shown to all people whether or not they believe in Christ or even acknowledge that he exists. Our medical care system of today, our doctors and our hospitals, is one of God's common graces. And it's a good provision. And it blesses us greatly. And it's straight from the Lord. And there are other kinds of common grace. I've mentioned those to us in the past. Our national government, our police departments, our armies. All of those are common graces to give us a better life. And folks, I don't want us to think that our government has just thought up all those good things. Because people are too self-centered to think up good things that will bless us. It all comes from God, whether it be special grace or common grace. The common grace received from our doctors or whenever we call for help from a fire department or the police department. That all comes from God. It's something that He put into place. Wonderful provisions. They came from His mind and they are His grace being shown to us just through other people. And again, I want to say common grace is available to everyone regardless of whether or not a person believes in Christ and accepts Him as Savior and Lord. He tells us that in Matthew chapter 5. He says that God makes His Son to shine on the evil and the good. And He sends rain on the just and the unjust. God's common grace is given without regard to a person's condition of soul. Yes, He would desire for us all to know Him. But He blesses us all. Just as you and I, we want to bless our wayward children. And He does too. He blesses His wayward children. And so His grace comes to all of us. This dear woman who had come to Jesus with her suffering had been receiving God's common grace. That's what she had been doing all of her life through her doctors for many years, spending all of her savings, but did not find any relief. And in her Coming to Jesus presents a question to you and me. A question that we ought to ask ourselves. And that is, when should a person, when should you and I move from the provisions of common grace to that grace given through the hands of God? When should we move from the common grace of going to our doctors? Will we ever be able to do that? Should we? When should we move from that common grace given through our doctors to that special provision that comes through the special grace of God's own hand. This dear woman, this dear woman had reached a point of decision, that decision that I'm just speaking of for ourselves. She had been going to those doctors, as I said, for many years and spending all of her savings and still finding no relief. She had reached her limit with common grace and she needed another answer and she needed it desperately. And so she came to Jesus But listen, is that the way that it should have taken place? Is that the way that it should have taken place? Must we always reach first for common grace? Spend all of our money, all that we have, just to find that it doesn't work. And then we stop and call out to Jesus. Folks, these scriptures tell us that we really ought not do it that way. That God doesn't want doctors to be our only line of cure or even our first line of cure 
Let me just read these verses. I've read them to us on several other occasions. They're in James chapter 5. He says there, Is anyone among you suffering? Then let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Folks, these scriptures tell us clearly that that is God's first line of response that you and I should take as we suffer or as we see our loved ones suffering. God truly does have a plan, a plan that reaches into every part of our life, into our work, our marriages, our child rearing, our health care needs. If we choose first to take a secular path for relief in any of those areas of need before we call upon the Lord. Folks, I fear that each time we do that, that we will start down a path that we never seem to get off of. Now, thankfully, this woman decided to get off of that path, and that should be instructive to us. She turned to Jesus, and she was healed. And it was faith. Faith in Jesus that brought her that final cure. And that's what he said to her. So we ought to have a question that occurs to us as we read words such as these about what God's approach to our healing should be. And that is, should I always place my first faith in the purveyors of common grace, doctors and hospitals, instead of God? Is that the right thing to do? Does God only work through the hands and the minds of our doctors? Now, I have no doubt that, yes, he does. He does work through the hands and the minds of our doctors. But does he only work through them? Can God, will God, work separately from the hands of those doctors? Do we dare to follow the explicit instructions that he's given here about us coming to him first? Jesus said to this woman, he said, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith, your faith in him, your faith in Christ has made you well. Now go in peace. Whatever our thoughts are, faith truly is the answer to most all of our questions of this life. Over and over again, Jesus said that to people who came to him. He said, be it according to your faith. And folks, I do fear On the other side of that question, I do fear that so often that has been exactly what has taken place within my own life, with my own dealing with my own health. I believe that it has been my lack of faith in the Lord that has been a hindrance to His healing of some of my suffering. One last thought, and then we'll close. God truly has been very gracious to me on so many occasions and he has healed me on those occasions but there are also other times other times that I have hurts and I've had ailments that I pray regularly for him to heal but he does not he does not heal them and I'm sure that's the same with you all and why would that be so why would he tell us to come to him but then at times he wouldn't follow through and heal us The only answer that I've been able to come to is that there are two somewhat irreconcilable matters that are taking place both at the same time. 
Similar in some ways to that dilemma that the Lord Jesus faced as he prayed there that last night of his life there in the Garden of Gethsemane. There he was facing the most awful suffering that anyone could imagine. And not just the suffering that would take place physically in his crucifixion. He also knew that he would have to pay the penalty for all of our sins. Suffering beyond our imagination. And so, he cried out to God the Father, Let this cup pass from me. But then, he accepted the answer to his cries as being no. He accepted God's answer as being no. That it was not his will, not the will of the Father, that he should be spared. But it was the will of the Father instead that he should suffer. And so Jesus said to his Father, Thy will be done. Folks, Jesus had plenty of faith. He had plenty of faith. But in his suffering, it wasn't a matter of faith. It was a matter of the will of God. And the will of God must be honored, no matter whether we agree with it or not. Or we want it to be as he is going to bring to us. There are times in our lives when we are faced with this dilemma. That of wanting to find relief for our sufferings. But that it's the will of God that we should suffer our sufferings without relief. And then that dilemma, while we might have faith, the faith that's required to be healed, we need to do just as Jesus did and say back to God the Father, Thy will be done. I will accept Your will, O God. And that's what took place in just recent days. My dear wife and I had to do this. We wanted God to heal our son and to restore him to good health. I prayed over him fervently and I anointed him with oil. And I believed that I had the faith for my son to be healed. But in God's great love and wisdom, it was a time for my dear son to go to be with Christ in heaven. And so all that I could say was, thy will be done. And so while we may not be able to understand this irreconcilable dilemma, it is what's taking place. He still wants us to come to Him for our healing. But whatever His decision is for us is good. And I'll close with that verse in Psalm 119. We're told there that God is good. It is His nature to be good. God is good. And he does good. And you and I must be thankful for his goodness, even when we might want him to do something differently. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we confess we're perplexed by this dilemma. We do want to come to you in faith for our health problems, our suffering. We do want to trust you to heal us. But we also want to trust you for when you decide that Healing is not the way. It's not your will in this circumstance. Help us to still trust you and to love you all the more. Help us, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.